On this Aviation special, we sit down with Paul Richards from PTZ Optics and Stream Geeks, talking about the best practices for live streaming your church. All that and more next on this Aviation special. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is an Aviation special, live streaming your church. This is an Aviation special. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. With me is my buddy and pal, Mr. Paul Richards. Welcome, sir. Hello, Tim. Thanks for having me today. Absolutely. Uh, Paul is uh, both from PTZ Objects, but also from Stream Geeks. You can check them out uh, on their YouTube channel, actually on, on, live, uh, on, on LinkedIn as well. Uh, Paul streams there as well. You've written a number of books, uh, and you're one of these people in my life that I admire because you've actually sat down and completed the books that you start, as opposed to those of us who have not completed those books. Um, you, did, you did one on, on virtual events, uh, which we talked about last year, and, and actually I, I was a part of, of one of your virtual events, so thank you. Um, but in 2019, you wrote a book about, about church helping churches stream their services. I want to start on that for a second because 2019, right? This wasn't 2020. You were you were at least somewhat prescient um, to to talk about that. Why did you go down that road? What seems to be so early? It, we obviously well well ahead of, of any of the pandemic, well ahead of any of the churches scrambling. Quite frankly, um, almost a year ago now. Um, what led you to to kind of go down that road with churches? Sure. So, so like you said, I wrote Helping Your Church Livestream in 2019. And really the work for that book started in 2018. And then it was published uh, in January of 2019. It actually started not far from where you, you are right now, Tim. It started in Ladue, Missouri. Um, that is my, my wife's hometown. And okay. we, her church there is the Village Lutheran Church of Ladue, Missouri. And I wanted to make a donation. A lot of our customers are churches. I, was, I work with a lot of uh, churches. And my wife really desperately wanted to be more connected to her hometown church. She came to live with me in Philadelphia. We started a family here. This is where we live permanently. But she had no way to stay connected to her church in Ladue. I mean, there really wasn't much. I mean, it's an old school church. It's a Lutheran church. And I said, well, I'm going to help them learn how to live stream so that you, know, you can watch when your cousins and your family are doing baptisms. And so we were in Ladue. We were getting my son baptized. And I said, here's a, here's a PTZ Optics camera. Let me explain to you how to use this. And uh, it basically didn't go very well, to be honest, because I left them with the camera. I thought it was going to work out. And I realized it just sat in a corner and they didn't use it. And I thought about it and I said, man, if we don't give churches and pastors and worship leaders a really good guide on why they should be doing this. Again, this is way before the pandemic. Yeah. It was like a, maybe we should do this. I don't know if it's important. If it just sits you know, in the corner and does nothing, we don't care that much. You know, It wasn't a priority at that time. And I really wanted my wife to see these live streams and stay connected to her hometown. So I was really pushing the pastor to do it. And I realized I've got to write a book to A, explain why they should be doing this because a lot of pastors just didn't want to at that time and then B, show them how. And this book has become a way that pastors can A, read the book and figure out you know, the value of it, but then give it to a volunteer, then give it to their media 
ministry person. And what we found is the biggest issue in churches still to this day is getting volunteers and getting people who are able to live stream and do that, um, that technology heavy lifting, if you will. Um, and so this book allows them to all be on the same page, be using the same vocabulary and get them up to speed. And obviously 2020 hits and everyone's trying to do this. And I was so grateful that I already had a book and an online course that was just ready for so many people to, you know, get up to speed as quickly as possible. You, you, you mentioned something there, and that is the fact that you know, your, your, your wife is from uh, Ladue. And, and for those of you who aren't familiar with, with the great Midwest here, uh, Ladue is, is, a, is a suburb of, of, of St. Louis. Uh, it, it's right there in the midst of everything. Um, you also have a number of folks. You, you, you mentioned the pandemic, um, but you also have kind of uh, two different um, constituencies here. You have folks like your wife who um, diaspora, right, from, from various areas of, of the country, of the world even maybe. Um, but you also have the other age part of that, right? Where you've got retirees, you have folks who, you know what, um, you know, whether that's, you know, snowbirds from the Northern parts of the, of the, of the continent, really, quite frankly, whether it's Canada or Northern parts of, of the U S who are going to go to, you know, the Southern warmer parts during the winter. Uh, and they want to be able to in, enjoy their same, you know, congregation, uh, the church that they grew up with. Some, some of them, maybe even the churches that they found helped found a number of years ago. Talk for a second about, you know, how you kind of and not sell this and in in, is not the, the right word, but the how you, you know, bring this to the congregation to say this is, you know, this is who we're trying to reach and this is why we're doing this. Yeah, because, you know, pre-pandemic, it was almost a difficult sell. Mm -hmm. And there was a fear in a lot of um, pastors that if they start streaming, people won't come into church. And so and there wasn't a lot of data to prove that that wasn't true. Um, I, now, you know, we're learning that uh, when churches start to live stream and they ask their family, their, their members to check in on Facebook, it, it notifies their whole friend and their whole social media network that they're at church. And then from a from a friend's perspective, from a family member's perspective, a snowbird, they go to Facebook, they see their family members in church, they click, they immediately see a window into the church. So it's really more of a bridge where people who are church shopping, people who aren't sure what that church is about yet, can just kind of peek in and, and browse and see what it's like inside. And that's the first step that a lot of people are taking these days. Now, church shopping is a very different than it was uh, you know, in 2019. It, today, you know, a lot of smaller churches are actually competing against the larger churches that have huge video production budgets and bands and lights and cameras. And that's become uh, an interesting new dynamic. But one of the biggest things that churches have an aha moment about is connecting with their local senior center. It's a mm -hmm. tip that I've been talking to a lot of churches about say, well, you know what, you know, you're, you, maybe you're not focusing on, on younger generations, but what about the people who supported you their whole life and now are living at the local senior center? I've seen churches connect with the senior centers, display the live stream on a projector so that all the seniors can sit in the auditorium and they actually do collections at right after. Um, and I've seen churches be able to tap into the CC television, the, the closed circuit television network yeah. inside of these systems and AV integrators are able to help with that to get a decoder that can decode the stream from the church and then actually play it on a channel directly on all the televisions in the senior living centers. Um, so there's a lot to be said for the why. Uh, the senior living center uh, connectivity is one of my favorites. 
No, I like that a lot. And you mentioned something there that that is, you know, the almost like window shopping for churches. It has certainly um, changed since 2019. The, the one thing, though, I, I would say about that is, is this it becomes um, a, a safe way to do that, right? Um, for someone who maybe isn't, you know, either you're brand new to a city, you know, you, you know, like your wife, she moves to, you know, to, to Philadelphia. Um, she doesn't know anybody, maybe, you know, uh, or or you're you and your family, you get, get transferred to Boise, Idaho, right? And, and you're not quite sure where to start looking. So yeah, the, the online streaming does certainly help folks who are looking for a church, you know, to uh, check out, um, you know, how what you're like, right? The, the preaching style, not just the music and, and the lights, but also, you know, 90, you know, me, I, I also want to make sure that I connect with and, and appreciate the pastor and, and the preacher, or whoever it is, that's bringing the teaching every every Sunday that I connect with them, right? Um, I don't care how good your music is, I, I need to be able to connect with that person as well. Um, we're, we're recording this kind of a week, actually, we're, right before Palm Sunday, but we want to talk for a second about Easter, right? And and, and there there are certain there are certain Sundays that are different, right? There are certain Sundays that are that are either more special or, or the 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 uh, church does more uh, for those. Easter is certainly one of those. Talk for a second about some best practices for those special occasions. Obviously, we're going to post this the week running up to Easter. Um, so we'll talk about that one specifically. But whether that's Easter, whether that's maybe um, here in the States, the 4th of July or, or Memorial Day one, uh, obviously Christmas you know, um, is a significant one as well. What are some best practices when you get to those, those milestone or those, those special weekends? Well, Easter is certainly one of the biggest uh, events on the Christian calendar every year. and so. There's, a, there's a, a lead up about a month or so of planning, maybe even two months of planning. And the first thing you can do is make sure that your tech team, who's really become essential at this point, has a plan and a backup plan. Um, right now, a lot of churches are moving to a hybrid model, which is great. And it's a big breath of fresh air. Our uh, church here in Pennsylvania is fairly conservative, and we are still getting the only thing we're actually doing in person is actually in the parking lot. Everyone's in the parking lot. And I've been helping our pastor here figure out how to do real-time communications with, uh, you know, 50 families in a parking lot. And we're all using Zoom uh, on our phones. So that there's a lot of different ways to use technology to accommodate this somewhat difficult time because we went from all in-person to all remote. And now here we are in the middle with a hybrid scenario where folks who are maybe younger, folks who have been vaccinated are feeling comfortable enough to come in and be safe, and, you know, socially distant. Um, and then there's still a lot of people who are at home. So accommodating those folks at home has become a necessity at this point. What I've found is that the one-way live stream is the same thing as it's always been. A great way to promote you know, on social media, on Facebook, for people to have that one-way bridge and that mirror or that window into the church. But what we found is a lot of people are lacking and, and really wanting more ability to collaborate and have the fellowship. and see the families that they're used to seeing while they're at home. And that's where Zoom has come into play. And I've been so surprised to hear the things that churches are doing in a very innovative way with Zoom. So Zoom is becoming a critical part of the online service portion where um, those folks who are at home are able to go into breakout rooms, do a small group spiritual sharing sessions, have a kids group, have a men's group, have a women's group. Uh, and it's really interesting what's going on there. Uh, the key to all of that is to have good Zoom moderation. It's just as important 
as the video producers in the church to have, they could be anywhere in the world, but they need to know how to use the Zoom moderation tools, how to set up breakout rooms and how to mute everyone efficiently during the start of a service, for example. So there's a whole new skill set, Tim, at uh, churches and a whole new volunteer that they're relying on to operate in this hybrid model. What what have you changed? And we mentioned the fact that you you wrote the book, you know, how how churches can live stream in 2019. What changes have you made to that since then? Um, right, you mentioned the fact some of that skill set. Walk me through maybe a, a basic. I don't know if it's, it's a bullet point or or training schedule for those volunteers um, to get this new skill set. You know what? So what what's changed between 2019 and and you know 2021? that your volunteers need to make sure that they're up to date on? Well, Zoom has really become the the way to do the two-way communication and collaboration. And it's just such a whole, if you just one-way one way broadcasting, you're missing out. You're, you know, people are feeling isolated right now. People need the fellowship. And so one of the, I have updated this book since uh, 2019. I updated it in 2021, actually. And it includes new information on how to use a virtual camera, for example, uh, with OBS so Mm. that you can live stream, but also connect directly to Zoom and give some best practices on how to be that Zoom moderator. A lot of uh, churches have about three people uh, doing the, the, the video production skills. So there is a person who's actually just kind of organizing the audio and the video and maybe video production and streaming. Generally, there's a camera person with a joystick controller or maybe a smartphone. And then there is the Zoom moderator. The Zoom moderator can be at home. Zoom is fairly straightforward and easy to use. And the great thing is a lot of us are using it in our business professional life. A lot of students are using that at school. So it's not a huge transition for anyone to say, oh, we're going to be collaborating and talking about the values of Easter um, you know, in Zoom where everyone can talk to each other. So that's where the two-way communication comes in. Before 2020, the two-way communication was totally kind of lost. And there weren't many churches using Zoom. There was a decent amount of churches live streaming to Facebook because they saw the inherent value in connecting with, you know, there was a couple things. One is just people who, who are traveling, people, newer senior citizens, folks who, uh, you know, just can't make it for whatever reason. And I've, I've helped so many churches and I've watched the comments and there's a lot of people who move away just like my wife and they get so excited when they're going, I grew up in this town. I know the pastor, but I've been disconnected for 20 years. I'm crying hysterically right now and they're donating. And I've heard from so many churches and what they immediately find out is that their community is far flung. It's not just a 20 mile radius around their church. And over the years, if your church has been a hundred years old, the amount of people that are spread out around the country who are now start to reconnect is an incredible experience. So that's awesome. But then going to the zoom level and the two way communication has been really essential at this point. And that's the extra skills that people are learning. Talk for a second about, about, you know, uh, I I don't want to necessarily compare to put up against each other because there are some folks who, um, because the platforms that I'm going to talk about are, are, are fairly, you know, they, they have their own, their, their, their strengths and their weaknesses. There, there are some folks who feel very comfortable going to, straight to Facebook, or they feel very comfortable going to, to YouTube. There are some folks who still fear that, that Zoom bombing aspects, right, of, of Zoom. 
talk for a second about the the, the benefits and and uh, of of doing Zoom maybe over Facebook where you, the communication is there. It's just in chat, right? You can't have somebody moderate in chat. Same thing with YouTube, right? It is kind of a broadcast. Um, set up, but you can chat. So talk about the the kind of the dynamics between just chatting to communicate and actually having a, a verbal and, and visual two-way communication. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 that's an interesting point we should definitely talk about. On, on YouTube and Facebook, you know, the pastors most of the time are not seeing real people and it's a disconnect for them. They're used to seeing, you know, warm bodies in the pews and that's who they connect with. So getting them to see the comments from YouTube and Facebook can be a challenge. Um, there are ways to do it. We use Vmix social. A lot of churches are using that to show the pastor prayer requests and things that are coming in from YouTube and Facebook, but there's a, it, it's difficult for, for pastors. And during, you know, the complete shutdown, a lot of pastors would actually have cardboard cutouts of people in the pews and they would just pretend to be looking at them. Uh, we're trying to teach pastors to look at the cameras and use tally lights to know which camera to look at. And that's been very successful. Um, but, you know, live streaming Facebook and YouTube is very much a one-way experience with a chat room that you should engage with because it makes people feel like it's a two-way communication. On the Zoom side, what most churches are doing, knowing that there's a Facebook and a YouTube audience, is they're really handling the first 45 minutes to an hour on Zoom in a one-way broadcast scenario. Now, Zoom bombing, for whatever reason, does not seem to be a concern with many of the churches that I work with. You have to remember a lot of the signs that they have on the front of the, um, the church says all are welcome. And so what they generally like to do is make it as easy as possible for folks to get into the Zoom meeting because we're talking about 90-year-old women who don't know how to find the, the Zoom password. And so they're just letting everybody in. They're putting a big blue button on their homepage. They're saying, join this link. And then uh, they're just having their Zoom moderators basically not allow people to rename themselves, muting everyone during that first hour, making sure people raise their hands so that they can be selected um, and unmuting them one at a time. So it's a more of a manual process, but it fits in line with Christian values of letting anyone in. Um, and then they have to be mindful. I haven't seen or heard about a lot of Zoom bombing. Um, in the house of worship space, uh, unfortunately, in the education space, that became a very big deal in the corporate yes. anywhere. Uh, but in the house of worship space, it's been a, you know, let everyone in. And, uh, you know, it, I haven't seen a whole lot of harassment in that, uh, that I've heard of. All right, very good. Uh, Paul, as we wrap up here, you know, what is something if, if somebody still, uh, ha if, if they feel like they either have missed this boat, right? Um, they decided not to stream it all last year, or they don't feel like they did it well. What's something that that you know, if you were sitting down with, you know, a, a pastor or the board or, or a congregation, you know, what's the first steps that they need to take to to get into streaming? Well, um, I I think you know, I don't know if I mentioned this, but the book is free. <laughs> So uh, I can get the book for free, and I say that because that's why I love Paul. He's he's subtle. <laughs> the, the book is totally free and I, I have churches, you know, downloading it and giving it to the volunteers. So the pastor can't do this himself. I will say that, yeah. I, you know, you, you need to get someone on your side. Okay. So hang on for, say that again, right? Because so many pastors think that they have to, right? Especially in smaller congregations. They're like, you know what? I'm not going to bother my, my volunteers. I can do this. Say that part again and, and explain why they can't do it themselves. 
Well, especially, so, so pastors, you know, you, you really need to, you can't do everything yourself. You need to focus on the message and connecting with your audience. And it's, it's hard enough to connect with a virtual audience and stay on, on target than to try to consider really, you know, doing everything, even with the smartphone. Uh, I, you, you, need a, you need someone to help you and to, to be part of this event. So the first thing to do is to find out who that person's going to be. And what, what I hear time and time again is that there's a, there's a media person and what they found is that engaging with the youth, engaging with a two or three people, uh, because one person can come on this Sunday, they can't come on the next Sunday, you need to kind of have a bullpen of people who you can rely on. The best tip I've heard is to, for, to get your media director to understand that this might be, the, you know, so hopefully they're, they're employed to be the media director, it's their full-time job, but they shouldn't treat it as if you know, they're the only ones who can help. It should always be trying to train others to do everything that you do so that you can step back. And so as long as you have an, a mindset of training others to do everything that's necessary, you can build a team of people. And the great thing is that it's, you know, learning how to live stream, learning how to produce a show, it, it translates into a lot of different uh, professions and industries. So it's something that, you know, you could feel proud that you're teaching kids and other, other volunteers a valuable skill. Uh, there's plenty of churches who help to uh, rent their equipment or allow their equipment to go help a local school or a local play. And so it's a rewarding process, um, but getting more people involved, you can't do this all yourself, I think is, is a good takeaway. Yeah, absolutely. Take it from a kid who at 14 years old started out doing lighting systems at, at his local church. So absolutely. Uh, Mr. Paul Richards, thank you, sir. Um, if somebody wants to find out more about you, find out where to uh, get the book for free or where to live stream you uh, with Stream Geeks, how do I do that? Uh, stream Geeks or PTZ Optics. The book is called Helping Your Church Live Stream. Just Google for a free download. And uh, there's an audio version as well. So the volunteers can listen to it on their way to church. I think it's a big value to have everybody kind of speaking the same vocabulary and understanding, you know, what the, the, the possibilities are for your church. Absolutely. Paul Richards from PTZ Optics. Thank you, sir. Uh, for us, for Aviation, go by our website, aviation.tv. That's aviation.tv. You will find this program and a host of others, and uh, including uh, our, our entire look at the women in the AV industry the entire month of March. All that and more at aviation.tv. It's aviation.tv. 